This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning, Faith Christian Family Church. So glad you're watching online today. Wish you were here in person, but it is a balmy seven degrees outside. So you're blessed not to be here, and there's a wind chill of minus 15. I'm just going to tell you right now, we are going to cancel the majority of our services for the entire week, so we will not have Tuesday night prayer. Uh, We'll be back here Wednesday night live stream. If you desire to come, you're welcome to come. There just won't be any children's services. Everything will be right here, but we do welcome you. All right, we are on another week here on our GPS series of giving, praying, and serving. I can tell you in in my life, every one of those were very crucial for the development of me spiritually. I don't place any one of them higher than the other. They were all that significant. And so you saw all the videos of the ones that are serving now. And such a blessing to see people uh, desire to have a, a call and a purpose to serve God. And so that's God's desire for every one of us, is for you to become a person that that not only loves God, but you demonstrate the way you love God by also your faithfulness in the way you serve. I'm gonna start today, and I'm gonna read this passage out of the Passion Translation. This is Luke chapter 16, verse 10, and it had some words in there that really blessed me. It says, the one who manages the little things he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. Now, he uses some interesting words. The word who manages with faithfulness and integrity, he will be the one that will be promoted. The second part of the verse says, but those who cheat with the little they've been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. So let me ask you something here today as we get ready to go. Do you serve the kingdom of God with faithfulness, with integrity? Or do you cheat the kingdom of God? And I believe the way I cheat the kingdom of God is I don't give my time, I don't give my talents, I don't give my abilities, and I don't give my heart with what God's called me to do. So if you got your Bible, open with me the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is where we'll begin today. Everything that's big starts little. And we can go back in time that some of the great men and women, not only of the Bible, but even preachers of modern day, they didn't start where they ended up. And you go back and you look even at King David. He started small, but he was faithful with the small things, and therefore God promoted him to the big things. That's the same with me and you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, or I urge you, therefore, brethren. Now, when he addresses the brethren here, he's, he's talking to me and you as born-again Christians, okay? I urge you, therefore, brethren, that by the mercies of God, God's mercies are his benefits, which brings us as Christians to let us come to a place that responds appropriately to him. So he says here, I beg you, therefore, brethren, that by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Everything that you are, that you would actually present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
Now, I am to offer everything I am. My body as a, a living sacrifice here. And so we should offer our bodies all that we are as living sacrifices each day to Father God. Now, it's interesting the Apostle Paul here used the word sacrifice. So anytime in the Bible you see the word sacrifice, that tells me something. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you, okay? But he said that his desires through his mercies is that you would be a living sacrifice, holy. And the word holy means devoted to God. It means set apart to God. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service to God. So I am to commit myself to God. And every one of us, when we get born again, we are put here on earth to make a contribution to God's kingdom. And when I highlight God's kingdom, remember, the kingdom of God is eternity, where people will spend eternity at. And the only thing of significance in the kingdom of God in eternity is people. And so this was God's desire for every one of us that we would impact eternity for his cause. And so when I say this here, we're, we're called not to just to take from life. I'm called to add to life, and I'm saved to serve God. I am not saved by service, but I am saved for service. Now, when you see this here, the reasonable service, it becomes a rational response to God's mercies, and it is to commit ourselves as an act of worship. So I don't know if you've ever caught this or not before, but anytime you serve in any capacity, it's an act of worship to God. And so when I give my acts of worship to God in servanthood, how do you serve? Do you serve with a whole heart, a true heart, an energetic heart? Or do you serve with a grumbling, with a belly aching? And so just remember this, every time you're serving, your service to God is that of worship. Turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. So as you're turning there, don't postpone your kingdom servanthood. Don't blow it off like it's not a big deal. And I can tell you this right now, then you're going to see this biblically. Every one of us in here have some form of a gift that God has blessed us with, but an unopened gift is useless. The only way the gift that God's placed on the inside of us starts to benefit is for me to do something. And so we're going to talk about this a little more. Second Timothy chapter one, the apostle Paul says this in verse three, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Now it's interesting. Maybe the greatest disciple of all, the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, he starts this letter to this pastor named Timothy, and he says, I thank God whom I serve. And not only do I serve him, I serve him with a pure or a clear conscience as my forefathers did, as my ancestors did. He was very aware that his forefathers served God. And as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. 
Same chapter, verse six. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now he tells Timothy, I remind you, I need to stir up the gift of God, the gift that God placed in you by the laying on of hands. I believe that's very significant for this day because he tells us something here through writing to uh, uh, Timothy. Stir up the gift within you. Every one of us have a gift. Verse number eight. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't ever be embarrassed about the things of God. Nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. So literally what he's, he's selling here, the longer you go in this, there's gonna be times of even your servanthood or your, your uh, not being embarrassed of the things of God, there's gonna be some suffering. Now pay real close attention here to verse nine. Who has saved us and he's called us. Now look at the order right here. He's saved us and he's called us. So if you've given your heart to Jesus and you're born again and you're saved, understand this, he's also called you. And you may say, no, he hadn't called me. No, according to what the Bible said, he called you. And you may say, well, I don't have anything to offer. Yeah, you do. The same God who saved you is the same God who called you. So when he calls you, he equips you. Well, how do we know that? We'll keep reading. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not just a calling, but a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. So when God saves you, he calls you, and within you, he puts his purpose within you. Every one of us, if you're saved, you're called, and you're called with a purpose. And grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus for time begin. So when he graces us, the word grace in there means he wants to assist you and he wants to help you to fulfill his purpose that he's put within every one of us. So if I read this correctly, he called you also and he saved you. And he put his purpose within us. And so what happens with us is we really never know what we're called or what we're good at until we actually start serving. And so as I begin to start serving, I use the gift that's tied to his purpose. And so if you look here, God saved Paul, and he saved Timothy, and he saved you and me, but he also called every one of us. Now, in my own life, I didn't start understanding my calling until I started serving. And there were times in my life that I would find myself serving, and I would realize real quick, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at changing baby diapers, okay? And you don't want me changing your children's diaper anyway. And so I realized that wasn't my calling. But I, I remember as a young believer, I started serving in a fifth and sixth grade class. And I began to teach there. 
And as I began to teach there, it, it was so foundational, but it was part of my growing up as a believer. And I began to have a desire not only to, to, to serve in that capacity, but it birthed something in me that I, I wanted to study the Word of God more and more. And so that's how I begin to see the calling that God had put upon my life. I think about this after the Super Bowl that we watched last week and we watched Tom Brady. And Tom Brady had a great gift that as a quarterback, but he didn't show up at the seventh grade practice one day and see this great gift. No, he kept having to develop it. That's the same with me and you. I don't care what your calling is. It's going to be based on servanthood. And the more I serve and the more I'm faithful and I serve with an integrity, that calling will begin to take its shape. Remember, everything big starts with something small. And a non-serving Christian is a contradiction in terms. You were saved and you were called. Now, I heard this the other day, and this was really, really a good theory on this. But in the underground church in China, and that's a very uh, unfamiliar term in America, the underground church in China. In other words, those are people that go to church every Sunday, and they risk their life to go there. But in the underground church in China, they say this, that when a person gets born again or saved, they tell them, now that you're saved, God has gotten two new sets of eyes to see with. And God has gotten two new sets of ears to hear with. And God has gotten two sets of hands to touch and hear with. And so that's their challenge that in the underground church of China, that when you get born again, God has purpose for your life. And so as I read through this passage here, he saved you and he called you. And so God put within every one of us, again, a, a gift, a purpose. And you know what's interesting? Every time I read any of the letters the Apostle Paul wrote, the next time you're studying his letters, you find out he was always mentioning or acknowledging people in every letter and those people were people that served alongside Paul in different capacities. Just study. Every time you'll see that. Now, go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 20. Matthew 20. And what we're going to do here this morning is we're going to look at what the Lord Jesus had to say about servanthood. But I can tell you as you're turning to Matthew 20, don't settle for half-developed gifts. He saved you and he's called you according to his purpose. Matthew 20. Begin with me in verse number 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons. Now this was James and John is who this was. And kneeling down and asking him something from him. And so their mother comes before him with great, great honor and loyalty. She bows before him. And he said to her in verse 21, what do you wish? And she said to him, that you grant these two sons of mine, that may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in the kingdom of God. 
Now, when you see the right hand and the left hand, these were positions of special honor. And so this request here that James and John's mother makes was more on the line of self-seeking than self-sacrifice. It was a contrast to what Jesus had already taught. Jesus was always about uh, self-sacrifice instead of self-seeking. So the first thing she brings up is a contrast. Verse 22. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? Now, when you see the word cup here, this is used to signify either great joy or great sorrow. In this situation, it was a symbol of Jesus' crucifixion, which would be great suffering. So he said to him, are you prepared to suffer with me the way I'm going to suffer? And then he ends verse 22 and says, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. So the baptism here, it's, it speaks of being immersed in a divinely appointed suffering. So Jesus is saying here, you want to sit here at my right hand. You want your sons to. But are they willing to sacrifice like I'm going to sacrifice? So he ends verse 22 and says, But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared to by my Father. So he's telling her, this isn't up to me. Verse 20 or verse 24, verse 23. So he said to them, you will indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Now, if you study what Jesus just said right here toward James and John, James was the very first apostle to be martyred. And when you speak about John, John would live in exile, John would live persecuted, and John also would also be martyred. Now, what this begins to show me is these two men took to heart what Jesus said about literally a self-sacrifice. But keep reading here. The end of verse 23. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but is for those whom it is prepared for by my Father. So Jesus is saying, to sit on my right hand or left, that's not my call. That's the Father's. Verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers, the other ten disciples. Now, this is going to play huge into this because if we study the scriptures correctly, all 12 of the disciples here, the original 12, were men. Now, pay close attention to what the Lord Jesus ultimately speaks to these 12 men. Verse 25, but Jesus called to them to himself and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles or the rulers of the world, they lorded over them. They throw their weight around. And those who are great in this world 
exercise authority over them. So one translation says their power literally goes to their head and it's more about self-ambition. So what Jesus is doing here, he's describing what I say the pecking order of the way our society operates and he's telling us here, people in authority in our world, they like to throw their weight around. They like to parade around about how important or significant they are. Watch what Jesus says pertaining to his pecking order in verse 26. Yet, that word yet here is a sharp contrast to the practice that Jesus expects from his disciples. Yet, it shall not be so among you. He's saying here, you don't want to go in the pecking order of the world. It shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Now, Jesus throws a, a completely different uh, a value of servanthood here at us. And it's interesting, he's talking about the world's concept that greatness is defined by a high position. But true greatness in the kingdom of God comes through sacrificial service. And so it's interesting that the Lord Jesus says, you want to become great? Let him become your servant. This is what the Lord Jesus said. Verse 27. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. So the one with the heart of a servant, instead of using people to advance his cause, he serves people for the cause of the kingdom of God. And if you'll note the last little bit there in verse 27, he says, let him be your slave. You know what this tells me? When you become a servant for the Lord Jesus, there's nothing you won't do. There's nothing that you can't do. You're always available. You know, I was around a couple the other day, and they made the, con uh, the, the uh, saying to me and Shelly, we're just called to serve wherever and whenever. And I thought, what would happen within the church if people would begin to live that way? He goes on to say this right here in verse 28. Just as the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, I want you to think about that just a second. The Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So Jesus became the, the ultimate example for every one of us in here. The Son of God said, I... I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And every time I read that, you know what I get out of this? Jesus set the bar high. And so he's saying this, there was nothing that I wouldn't do. And Jesus, he, he exemplified that. He was the example of that over and over in his life. And so he ends this verse and he says, and to give his life a ransom for many. The word ransom here means a payment. 
a price to be paid. So you know what the Lord Jesus just tells us? If you're going to serve, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your heart, everything about you. And so there's something about service and sacrifice. And remember what, what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12? That you present your body a living sacrifice. This was the example that Jesus set for us. So the measure for success for a children of God is not how well we rule, but how well we serve. And the greatest is measured in terms of service. And Jesus himself, he provided the highest standard of service in his atoning death. He said, I'll die for him. So when we begin to look at all this he's talked about, sometimes I look at servanthood with the way our natural body functions. And I just want you to think about this just for a little bit. Your liver is a very vital organ in your body. But what would happen one day if the liver looked at the kidney and said, you know what, I'm tired of doing what I'm doing. I'm going to let you take over and do my part. What would you think would ultimately happen to the body if the liver did that? It wouldn't function properly. And ultimately, it would most likely die. And that's what happens within the church at many times. We're all called to something. And I don't care if you're called to be a liver. I don't care if you're a ligament. I don't care if you're a heart. I don't care if you're a little pinky. When you don't do your calling and your purpose, the rest of the body doesn't function properly. And so many times I think we look at things and we think, well, I'm not that valuable. I'm not that. You're very valuable. You're very important. What you do is very significant. But what begins to happen within the church is we viewed my serving as optional. We view servanthood, well, if I can spare a little bit of my time, if I could possibly, you know, move you into my schedule if it permits. But when I read what Jesus said, he always had two verbs, give and serve. And Jesus would never ask me and you to do anything that he didn't do. He gave his life. He gave it his all. And so I like to say this about servanthood. Impression without an expression will lead your life to depression. And so something's got to happen when I say, you know what, Lord? There's a shift in me. That Lord Jesus, that... You saved me and you called me with a holy calling according to your purpose. And you said, the greatest in the kingdom is the one who serves. Now I go back to what I said earlier about the 12 disciples. Those were all men. All you men who are watching today, we need you. And I'm not saying that to women because women serve. Most women serve, and they serve, and they serve, and they serve. And I look in our children's ministry, most of the women that serve, or most of the people that serve in our children's ministry are women. Not always. 
But most of them are. But we need the men to serve. We need you to step up. We need things to happen just on these lines. And, and I highlight our children. I highlight our teenagers. You realize real quick that most people on this earth, they get born again. I think it's over 80% of people get born again. They do it before they leave their teenage years. So we have this window of opportunity in the life of a child, in the life of a teenager. And I'm not telling you where to serve, but those are great areas to serve. And you say, well, I, I don't know that I can do that. You can do it. We have great people that will help you and assist you. We just need people to step up and serve. Now, I want to end this in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And as you're turning to Ephesians 2, you're going to give your life to something. You're going to give your life to the things of this world or you're going to give your life to the kingdom of God. And when I look at our life and your life and mine, and it's not about duration of your life. It's about the donation of your life. It's not about how long I live, but actually how did I live? Ephesians 2, verse number 8. Now listen real close to this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Aren't you glad that God, he saves us by grace through faith? Grace is huge in every area of our life. He saved us. Verse 9. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. You are God's handcrafted work of art. Before you got born again, your life had no rhyme or no reason. But when you got born again, this brought us balance. This brought us order. You are God's poem. You are God's work of art. You weren't a mass production. You weren't assembly line production. Psalms 139, the Lord said this, that I wonderfully and skillfully created you and marvelous are my works. You are God's workmanship. God has plans for every one of us. So when God creates us, he wonderfully and fearfully, skillfully creates us. He saved you and he's called you. And God's called every one of us with different talents, different abilities, different purposes. God will use life experiences. And the reason he uses every one of those is for us to minister to other people. Again, we become his hands. We become his voice. We become his feet. And I don't say this as, as begging you to serve. He saved you and he's called you. And there'll be a day, but I'll stand before God and he's going to even ask me, how well did you, did, you, did you obey your calling? I called you to be my hands, but you were never my hands. I called you to be my voice, but you were never my voice. He goes on to say this in, in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
to advance the cause of the kingdom of God. This is how God's chosen to do it. Now I want you to think just for a little bit. There had to be some purpose in your or some purpose some person in your life that did good works for you to get born again. You may think back when you were a child about how someone was there. Maybe in your junior high years, maybe your high school years. Again, God has called us to fulfill good works, every one of us. And so he said that you would walk in good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We should actually walk in the new creation, which each believer, God comes in, he renovates his nature, and he renovates our nature. So we'll walk in good works. Acts of surface. So I highlight again today, we're not here to beg you to serve, but you are called. You are called. So I want to recap this today. I urge you, brethren, therefore, that you present your bodies living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable, God, which is reasonable service. And I believe just like when the Lord Jesus or the Apostle Paul talked to Timothy, he said, I want to stir up the gifts within you. I want to stir up the gift within you. So many of you that are so gifted in the body of Christ, even right here at Faith Christian, we need you. We need you to step up and serve. Not, not just for the kingdom of God to advance here, but for you to fulfill your purpose and your calling. So right there where you're at, I don't care if you're seated. You may want to stand up. We just want to pray for you right now. Father God, we ask right now that you cause the calling of your purpose to come alive in every one of us. And Lord, we lay hands on them in Jesus' name. That, Father God, there become a stirring within the gifts that you've placed with everyone. Whether they're your hands, whether they're your mouth, whether they're your heart. The expression of the kingdom of God, that it would operate through every one of us, Lord. And we welcome you right here, Lord. Cause the calling to come alive in us in Jesus' name. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.